so Nakia, this is the end of season one. Yep, it's been a total ride, but you know what? I don't think we've finished the conversation about race. No. I don't think there's a full stop at the moment. Not at all. In fact, I think we're just getting started. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Pretty for an Aboriginal. I'm Nikki Louie. And I'm Miranda Tapsell. And we're here to talk about all the things this country has trouble talking about. Like relationships, sex, dating, being a total boss, weight and most difficult of all, race. We have a little bit of surprise about this episode. We are recording this conversation in front of a small live audience at Junket in Canberra. And by a small live audience, we mean my hotel room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's, uh, yeah, it's been really great going up to people and going, hey, you want to come talk about race in my, my room? <laughs> 1407. Well, when you say it in that voice, yeah, it's... Race. <laughs> My room. It's worked before. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can everyone come, like, can everyone say hey? Or hey. Everyone say hot. No. <laughs> Is that politically correct? <laughs> anyway, so um, it's a conference for future leaders and people doing really interesting things. So we invited some of these interesting people to talk to us about race in this country, especially coming out of Malcolm Turnbull's decision in regards to the Uluru Statement, saying that they won't take a constitutional enshrined voice to parliament to referendum, which, you know, all Aboriginal leaders have been asking for. Um, uh, it's it's obviously um, heartbreaking for a lot of Aboriginal people, including Nakia and I. Um, we have been let down by a lack of leadership in government, but also a lack of interest in a conversation about constitutional rec recognition for Indigenous people. It's also really upset me that something that means so much to me as, as a person, I'm going to get a little teary, so please don't, don't laugh at me, Tapsil. You've me before. So. Um, but you, you start to wonder, you start to question this, all this work that I, you know, well, not that I do in this kind of self-serving way, but that means so much to me and my family. And I can see, like, I can see Aboriginal disadvantage, you know, in the community that I come from. And I am one of the lucky ones. And you see something like this come down, which basically puts an end to any Aboriginal equality happening in this country at, like, an executive level. And you think, does anyone care? And, um, and it's really hard race plays such a huge part in our society in ways that we don't even expect. So we wanted to get all these people in the room, um, make them watch me cry, <laughs> um, ply them with booze, um, and talk to them about race because I think the personal is political. And I think if we talk about race as individuals in this country, it can actually have such a huge effect. So I guess, first of all, we're going to ask them a question that we ask all our guests, and it's, when did you realise your race mattered? Well, when, when, did, when did you first realise? Well, it's interesting. When I first realised my race mattered as a child, my first memory of it, it's actually not a bad memory. It's like a really good memory. Yeah. And I'm wearing like, I was a really kind of loud, like bolshy, obnoxious child. I was this mm. little like fat Aboriginal girl. And um, I remember wearing this Aboriginal one-piece swimsuit. 
that. I've seen that. Yeah, I it's this little leverage. I wish I had cute. one now. Yeah. And um, I climbed this tree out the front of my nan's, like, house And I'd climb it and I'd yell just to the neighborhood, like, I'm a little Korea girl. I'm a little black girl. <laughs> like, for no reason. It's just like, hey, guys, sup? <laughs> and, um, yeah, I remember my nan being like, Nakia, get down from the tree. But... Um, <laughs> I was just really kind of like, hey world, I'm Aboriginal yeah. and I'm in a tree and I'm wearing my cosy, <laughs> which is Aussie for New South Wales Aussie for like a swimsuit for our international <laughs> listen, listeners. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I'm in my swimsuit in a tree and I'm Aboriginal, so deal with it. Like I had a very similar um, yeah, what was it? childhood because like um, my... My dad, my dad is not Indigenous. Um, he uh, he is an Irish Roman Catholic um, from. Well, he's not from Ireland. He's got that background, and uh, he um, so he moved up to the Northern Territory. Met my Larrakia mother, and when I went into the kitchen as a five-year-old, um, he said to me, "Oh, good morning, my golden girl." Um, and uh, I just and I just turned to him, gave him like the biggest death stare, like biggest side eye and said to him, I'm not a golden girl, I'm a black girl. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and just super told him off. <laughs> and, um, and did and, he know his place? Was he like... Oh, oh like absolutely. Like, <laughs> but poor, like every, everyone poor goes, fella. oh, poor tone. Like <laughs> he's got, he's two black women either side. He just can't catch a break. Because <laughs> even like, even I'd come in like another morning and he'd, and he'd say to me, oh, like he saw me dancing to the yeah. Sugar Plum Fairy. So he said to me, um, oh, good morning, Sugar Plum. And I said, am I a fruit? <laughs> so I was very clear that I was... I was black and a girl. Um, And not a fruit. Yes. Yeah, not a fruit. Um, But, yeah, I think the first time I was very aware of my race was, like, um, uh, when it was, like, a a foot-like thing was um, uh, when I said to my friend, like, because I was mad for Baba, and I was like, oh, so I've got, like, this really, like, fair palm um, of my hand, but on the other side it's, like, it's all brown. And um, obviously there's a there's a... A cute little monkey in Babar, and I was like, "I'm a monkey," and um, and then when I told my like, I told all my um, I told all my friends this, and I was like making the monkey sounds, and and they were like, "Oh yeah, that's so great," and I loved it, right? And I thought it was like super funny, and um, and then I went to my mom, who's like super dark, and um, who's very aware of like that um. Uh, the, the like how that can become racialized, and uh, she said, "Don't, don't ever call yourself that." And uh, when she explained it to me as a, like a young kid, I was like, "Oh yeah, okay." Okay, so we're going to throw this question back to all of the guests in my teeny tiny hotel room, uh, and it's, "When did you first realize that your race mattered?" So we're really lucky to be joined by Carly. Hey. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) I'm lucky to see this. This is amazing. (laughs) So, Carly, I think you're from my tribe. Yeah. 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 What's our tribe? (laughs) Camilla Rui. Yeah. When did you realise your race first mattered? Um, So, well, it's time they came... Uh, Camilla Roy, I'm I'm visibly white. I pass as white, um, and so growing up, this was n- not really an issue for me. Like I lived in the same community for like 18 years, and you know my f- 
most of my family were like pretty wide except like some of my aunties and my grandma like they were dark but it was like not really an issue like I didn't really think about it it wasn't until I left my community and went to another place moved to another town that it was like you know these people didn't know me they didn't know that I was aboriginal and it was almost like I felt like I had to prove it um and so I remember it was I was in like my first year of uni and I had made like this friend um and like it was really cool because she was a girl and I was doing physics at the time and so having a friend that was a girl was like amazing um (laughs) and so I was like (laughs) really happy to have this friend and like I mentioned to her oh yeah I'm Aboriginal and she was like what how are you Aboriginal and was like kind of she was like personally offended by it or something I was like like I just did I had never been asked that before it's also like I don't know like the same way you exist (laughs) I literally like how do people have babies that's how I'm aboriginal exactly what I said I was like (laughs) my mum and dad had sex (laughs) I like I think that's how I came to be um and I really didn't know how to answer it and that was kind of the first time I was like oh like this is a weird thing for people yes we so often pretend that race is invisible yeah. And it's something that you opt into. If you, for example, are white passing, I don't know about you, but it's like someone, like I myself am, well, I'm not white passing, but I'm like non-Aboriginal passing. Like I'm definitely something. Sure. <laughs> but people don't know. So I kind of have the privilege of being like, oh, yeah, like if I don't want to tell people I'm black that day because they might seem like a racist, yeah. I don't have to tell them that. So I guess it's this thing of, yeah, people kind of thinking that you have a choice over it. Hi, my name's Ashna Basu and I'm an Indian woman. And it was really interesting because, like, I'm obviously very visibly not white, um, but my first memory of, like, realising that was when I was in, like, year six at school. Um, And I went to a very white school, so I'm assuming that at some point I looked around and went, one of these things is not like the other. I'm a little different. But... It was, we had the school play and we'd done the auditions and the teacher was like, any questions? And I, like, I was an absolute nerd. It was like the weirdest question to ask. So I put up my hand. I was like, miss, am I like locked out from getting the main role because I'm not white? Um, <laughs> um, and my friends you still, it, hey. <laughs> I'm not going to let you off. Like, <laughs> still make fun of me for it to this day. And I mean, to be fair, she could have very much gone like, no, you won't get the main role because your audition was very bad. Um, but she was like, no, no, don't be silly. And then I was like, oh yeah, that's why would I not get a role? Because I'm brown. Um, but then I like, I did a lot of opera singing and stuff in school. And once I did this, I like I was talking to someone that on the phone like about white school, hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about <laughs> what school? <laughs> we had Newcomb Ball. <laughs> and so, and I sound very white, right? Like I've I've assimilated very well. Um, and I was talking to this person. They obviously didn't realize that I was white when they were like talking about setting up the audition and they're like what's your name and I was like Ashna and they're like oh <laughs> okay because it was for Sound of Music um and <laughs> I liked yeah. Kid. Yeah. it like raises like fidelity questions about Mr. yeah I was like oh we've got a lot of questions here and like it's the Von Trapp kids it's not like the Von Black kids they couldn't sneak me in anywhere um and they're like sorry this is like we really wanted a white person I was like pretty young so I didn't really care then looking back I was like oh I think that sucks that's not ideal um, but now my reflections about race have actually all been about how like 
I've internalized racism that maybe wasn't even overtly there. Like I can't necessarily point to many times in my life where I was overtly discriminated against. I, I like I totally believe that there were. I think there are things I probably just missed happening. But now I think back to like, I mean, I have quite a white voice. I dress fairly Western. Mm-hmm. My name, like my first and last names, are short enough that like it's not confronting to white people when you ask them to like pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Um, they still shorten it to Ash though, and I'm just like, oh, Ash, no, it's very easy. Um, <laughs> don't don't know why you need to do that. Um, and I realized that I, at some level, I'd gone through this like I don't want to be one of those Indian that's that like is only friends with Indian people and only does Indian things and listens to Indian music. So I kind of went so far to the other end of the spectrum that when I started to like think more about race and wanted to look around and nudge people and be like oh, white people, am I right? Like there was no one to nudge because all my friends were white, <laughs> yeah. and they're all like super understanding and stuff. But these are necessarily experiences they won't understand. Like little things like when they released the list of like girls for the bachelor this year and i looked at it and i immediately thought to that episode of fargo where he's talking to his wife about like which shade of white to paint the nursery and i was just like alabaster (laughs) off-white eggshell bondi sands like these are the shades that we have were the bachelor contestants (laughs) right (laughs) and i and like i mean like I wasn't that angry. I was kind of like, oh, I don't really want to vie for the affection of a white man. Like, I'm safe to leave that to other people. But it, it did strike me as, like, clearly the producers didn't think that women of colour were pretty enough for Maddie J. Or maybe that was, like, his preference. Like, it just irritated me in a way that, like, it necessarily can never irritate my white friends. And they were like, wait, are you saying you want to be on The Bachelor? And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, realising how much that internalised racism has done to me now like the girls that I there weren't many brown girls in my school and in my year but there was no reason that I shouldn't have been better friends with them and I was like you know like we're all like excessively hairy um like it was all these things that we could have bonded over and then we didn't and I think they actually did bond but I was like no no I'm no one of them um and I regret that now and now it's sort of me actively maintaining friendships and being like on online like spaces with women of color being like no like let's meet up let's like chat about white people chat about race and that's been an interesting introspective experience I think yeah I mean uh, at my primary school um, I grew up in Kakadu in the Northern Territory and I I ended up being friends with all the non-indigenous kids who whose parents worked at the mine and there were heaps of aboriginal kids and I knew them because my mum worked at the school but I ended up being friends with like the white kids and um and uh at first like I just thought oh I thought oh no it's okay um it wasn't like a problem because it I think I fit I felt like I fit in because I was a little bit more louder (laughs) the Aboriginal kids were just like the rest of them were like um were just they just uh, they they didn't talk as much as I did, um, so I felt like I felt awkward because I, yeah I was in that in between thing and um, so anyway but I remember drawing this like coloring in um, this family and uh, that it was and they were brown. I was copying this other Aboriginal girl colouring in and uh, my non-Indigenous friend said, "Why did why did you have to colour them brown?" And I said, "Well, I didn't. The dad isn't." brown because I was copying my family (laughs) but she just she just couldn't like she couldn't drop the subject and whenever we were coloring in um she just got she just kept getting really upset and I just said why what what's wrong so yeah no don't worry like it's 
it's it's it's a big it's a big part of it. It's really interesting. When did you first realize that your race mattered? Something we don't often talk about, but I think it says a lot about us. Does anyone in this tiny little 1407 want to share? Cool. Thank you. Hi, I'm Jessica Friedman. I'm a writer. I am from Melbourne originally, but live here in Canberra where this hotel room is standing. Um, and I have always felt a bit apart from mainstream whiteness, but it was probably only as a child beginning to understand the story of the Holocaust that I realised how. My father is a Hungarian Jewish refugee. They immigrated my father's family in 56 after fleeing Hungary. Um, but because my father married out and my grandparents are very orthodox, I was never considered religiously Jewish. So I've carried around a lot of cultural Jewishness with me. But because the main, I think, contemporary understanding of Jewishness is that white passing Ashkenazi, Seinfeld, chicken soup, you know, canurdle, everyone's meshuggah. You know, there's a, short, there's a shorthand for it that doesn't take in, you know, Sephardic Jews or Mizrahi Jews. Um, Do you think, like, that also that idea of white passing because I think within it like Australia like within the cultural setting that is Australia we're necessarily the anti-semitism like ex like part of my ignorance but that it doesn't necessarily have the same history as it does in other countries. No that's absolutely right it's been only very recently that it's kind of come to the forefront of discourse uh, in Hungary, where my grandparents lived and, you know, where I still have family, it's much, much more explicit and more of a, a material reality for people. Uh, and here it's just almost like people have just remembered it again, you know. Uh, the Jews were good immigrants and good workers and good bankers and lawyers because in Europe they couldn't own property or work the land, so they had to take up professions. And, you know, to look at most of the Europeans are white, so that made them a good bet and safe from a lot of harassment. But um, the tide has turned back, I think. And one of the things I really struggle with is coming from a people who have always existed in a diaspora, who have always had this notion of a holy land, no matter how politically fucked the reality of Israel is. My great aunt passed just a few weeks ago. Uh, I went to the funeral. We buried very quickly within 24 hours, but because people were coming in from interstate, we, it was 48. One of the rituals of the Jewish burial is that everyone in the family puts dirt on the grave. And that dirt in a lot of um, funerals is mingled with sand from the land of Israel. And for the first time, I heard a rabbi do an acknowledgement of country. To, to say that, you know, this burial is taking place on the lands of Wurundjeri people who had an ancient connection to the soil and that this bound our two peoples in perpetuity now in our stories. I find it very hard to come from a people that has lived in diaspora and in oppression but is perpetuating the oppression of people here because the magic thing about Jewishness is that it can take place anywhere but I know that you know, a, a connection to country can't just be picked up and put into another country, you know, overseas, made for the purpose, a safe place. Um, it's, yeah. Very much so. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, thank Jess. You. I think it's interesting to realise, like, when your race first mattered and then maybe when you realised it first didn't matter. A big thanks to our guests for sitting in the room and listening to us and and for your and for sharing. Yes, love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks.
you want to contribute to this conversation, you can find me on Twitter at Nikia Louie. And I'm at Miss Miranda Tapp because there wasn't enough room. Yeah, that still stuff. annoys me yeah, so know, much. I know, it does. Because the cell and the miss are the same letters. So really, you could have put Miranda Tapsel, but you went with the miss and I just I don't understand it. <laughs> Anyway, if you want to contribute to this conversation, I'd love to hear about, and, and, and Taps as well, mm. about when you first realised your race mattered or maybe when you realised it didn't and what that meant as well. Uh, give us a tweet on Twitter, hit us up on the socials and listen to the first season of Pretty For An Aboriginal on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app. Nikia and I will be back with another season soon, so don't go away. There's lots more to talk about. <laughs> Pretty for an Aboriginal is hosted and developed by Nakia Louie and Miranda Tapsell, produced and edited by Nicola Harvey and Cinnamon Nippard from Audiocraft. A big thanks to our supporter, Road Microphones, and BuzzFeed's director of audio, Eleanor Keegan, and the entire BuzzFeed podcast team. This is a BuzzFeed Australia production. Hold up. 